Kathy Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Father, let the power of my Lord be great, and open our eyes that we can see, open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to tell us a testimony before I get into the the scriptures, because it so blessed me, and it really opened my eyes to the rest of these scriptures. It is about Cora Ten Boom. I love that woman. I've never met her, but that woman had some wisdom of Jesus that has helped me. Cora Ten Boom, a Dutch woman, she lived with her father, her sister, her other family in a very large house. He was a watchmaker. They were Christians. And when the World War II started coming about, when Hitler took office, and he started exterminating the Jews, Cora Ten Boom and her family hid Jews in their house. They worked with the underground. I thought it was just the eight people that Cory Ten Boom and her family hid, but she actually worked to save a lot of people in the Netherlands when the Germans had taken over. She was betrayed and she was arrested. Cory Ten Boom, in the middle age, ended up in a concentration camp in Germany. She was with her sister in Ravensbrück. That was a concentration camp built for 200 women, and they had 700 women in it. The wonderful thing about this was you see the power of God working in the midst of great evil. Cory Ten Boom was able to sneak in a Bible, and her and her sister took turns giving Bible lessons to the women in the prison. But on this particular occasion, she was telling that 250 younger women in the concentration camp went every day to work in the ammunition factory. I want you to consider this. In Germany, ammunition factory, where they made bullets and rockets and ammunition. And they made it for the Germans. And they marched these 250 women into the factory. And the women worked there all day. And they came home at midnight. And one night, the Spirit of God and Corey roused her up to go out and meet those women as they were coming in off of the factory, coming back into the concentration camp. They told Corey Ten Boom that when the sirens would go off, they were not allowed to go into the bomb shelters. They had to stay right where they were at in the factory. Do you know anything about World War II? One of the things that the Allies, the United States, Britain, and the countries with them, they were going to bomb the ammunition factories. They were going to get rid of the German ammunition supply. So these women worked in danger every day. They bombed the factory. They were dead. So Corey, being a middle-aged woman, looked out of her barracks, and she was following the searchlight, which went all night. And when that light passed her by, she jumped out the window and jumped into the shadows. And she made her way from shadow to shadow, watching the searchlights until she got to the gate. They marched in single file. She got into a shadow where she, she was close to them, but the German guards couldn't see her. 
As they would walk by, she spoke to each and every one individually, just quickly gave them a word from the Lord. And the one she started with was this, Jesus is victor. Jesus is victor. She spoke some other words, but she said the one that she repeated often was she was telling individually women verses about trusting in the Lord and such. But this one got me, Jesus is victor. Now you're talking to a woman who is in danger every day. And you're telling her Jesus is victor. Those women said they hung on to those words. And you know at the end of the war, 250 women went every day into the ammunition factory. And every night they came back. And when the war was over, 249 went home. Corey's sister died. By accident, they released Corey Ten Boom before she was supposed to go. After that, the women her age were all killed. God spared Corey. He had a work for Corey to do. Jesus is victor. Jesus is victor. Those words went right to my heart. Do you know what? Jesus is our victor too. Let's start in Colossians 1. Let's get this groundwork in here, this foundation, something we can put in our hearts and we can hang on to. Colossians 1.27. Let's begin in verse 26. Paul is talking about being made a minister. Verse 25. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. That mystery is the gospel. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Not just the Jews, the Gentiles. We are Gentiles. We are Gentiles. I don't think we have any Jews here. What is a Gentile? Did you know that God only has two groups of people? He has a Jew and he has a Gentile. He does not have a black group. He does not have a green group. He does not have a yellow group. He does not have a brown group. He has Jew and Gentiles. And if you got Jesus in you, you're a Jew. You're a Jew. But we were Gentiles first. And it says right here, the mystery among the Gentiles. So it's talking to us. And what is that next phrase? Which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know that Jesus is in you? Do you really know that? Do you know that when you were born again, the spirit of Jesus came into your heart? First Corinthians says that we are one. The spirit of Christ and us become one spirit. One spirit, not soul, not flesh, but one spirit. Do you really know that Jesus is in you? If we really considered who was in us, there would not be another day of fear. Jesus is victor. Jesus is victor. We say it in English, Jesus is the victor. Turn with me now to Matthew 12. Matthew 12 verse 10. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, What man shall there be among you 
that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Do we really believe that? Then why do we ever ask the question, is it God's will to heal me? You're better than a sheep. Oh, we're getting rid of some of our doubt. How much then is man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then said he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And the man stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. I love it. Jesus did this in the middle, in the middle of the religious leaders. No one, they were going to get real upset. You know why they were real upset? Because they had it in the law of Moses that you can't do anything on the Sabbath day, including healing somebody. What man is there among you that should have one sheep? If it fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold and pull it out? He said, and a man is better than a sheep. That's what got them so upset. They messed with their law. And the Pharisees went out and held a council against Jesus how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known. He healed them all. Everybody that came to Jesus, everybody got healed. Do you got that? Everybody that came to Jesus got healed. Do you know that it never has it recorded in here that Jesus asked you what you believed before you got healed? It never says in here, are you worthy to be healed? He never asked one person if they were worthy to be healed. He never asked one person, are you a sinner? Because if you are, I can't heal you. He never said that, did he? Everybody that came to him got healed. No, regardless of their background, regardless of their behavior, regardless of how they looked, regardless of who they knew. Everybody got healed. Don't forget that. He charged them that they should not make him known. This is beautiful. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. We know this is the Father Jehovah talking about his son Jesus. I, the Father, will put my spirit upon him, and he will show judgment to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. He will show judgment to us. Not just the Jews. Not just the Jews. To the Gentiles also. He shall not strive nor cry. Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench. Till he send forth judgment. Unto victory. Judgment unto victory. Jesus is victor till he send judgment unto victory and in his name shall the Gentiles trust what was the judgment unto victory that was the death burial and resurrection for you and me judgment the English Standard Version says justice to victory judgment to victory what was that judgment that he took us the Gentiles the Jews, sinners, sinners, rebellious sinners. And he took their sin on his own body. That was his judgment for you and I. 
We think a judgment, we think hell. But the judgment here is the gospel. The judgment under victory. Your sins were taken from you and put on the cross. Your sicknesses, your diseases, your curses, your poverty, your welfare, your safety, your security was paid for on the cross by Jesus. Judgment to victory. Judgment to victory. And not only that, Jesus took the scourge. He took the scourge for us. That Father saw that sacrifice. It says in Isaiah 53, I think it's verse 12, he saw the travail of Jesus' soul. The Father saw it. Remember, the sacrifice of Jesus was to satisfy God. Was to satisfy God. The wages of sin is death. That is a principle, that is a fact from before the foundation of the earth. You don't think so? Ask Satan. The wages of sin is death. God had to be satisfied concerning our sin. Had to be. Or we're all destroyed. That sin had to be satisfied. And what did the father do? He sent his own son. Because he knew that was the only one that could do it. He was the only one. And he was God's beloved son. And God sent him anyway. Judgment under victory. That body had my sin on it. That body had your sin on it. That body had my poverty on it. That body had your poverty on it. That body had my sickness, my disease on it. It had yours on it. It had my safety. It had my welfare. It had everything I needed on it. Why? God wanted daughters. God wanted sons. He didn't want a human race that he was going to lose. He wanted daughters and sons. And the only way to get them was to send Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross. Went to the cross. Judgment unto victory. He took that sin. He held it on his body. God put it on him. Jesus went to the cross walking. This amazes me. He walked to the cross. This was not just a physical thing that happened. This was a spiritual thing that happened. Jesus walked to the cross. It says at one point he couldn't carry the cross anymore and somebody else carried it. But Jesus walked to the cross and then they nailed him to it. But when he got on that tree, it says from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, it got dark. It went black. They didn't have street lights back then. They didn't have house lights. It got black. Why? That's when our sins started going on that body. That's when they started going on him. When those sins went on him, every bone started dislocating. Every bone started dislocating. Why? He had to carry our sin, and that's what sin does to a body. Thank you, Jesus. Judgment under victory. My sin is what started those bones coming apart, and he stayed alive. Every bone coming out of joint after being scourged, and he stayed alive. Made sure he stayed alive. Made sure the jaw bones out of joint. The neck bones are out of joint. The elbows, the ribs, everything's out of joint and he stayed alive. We say, how can that be? Isaiah said he was marred more than any man. Psalm 22 says that his bones looked and stared upon him. It says they all came apart and looked at him. Couldn't even tell he was a man. Why? Why? Our sin 
on him. Even the ones, even in Germany, the ones that killed all the Jews, their sins were on that Jew's body. Isn't that interesting? Thank you, Jesus. He carried the guards' sins. He carried Hitler's sins. He carried their sins on that Jewish body. Now, Jesus, after all the sins are on him, and he knows that he's done everything, and you say, why do you keep telling this story? Because one day it's going to get your heart and you will have the faith to trust in it. That's why I tell it all the time. Hearing the gospel is what gives you faith. That's why we talk about it. That's why I minister it. I want you to have the faith that is available to us that nothing, nothing will be impossible. Jesus Finally, when he realizes he's done everything he needs to do, that he has all his sins on him, that all his bones are out of joint, he realizes he has to drink that vinegar because that was written in the word of God. He had to get that done. He tells them, I thirst. The Roman soldier gives him the vinegar. He says, it's finished. Everything I had to accomplish here on the cross is finished. He gives up the ghost. They couldn't kill him. The sin couldn't kill him. Sickness didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. The Roman soldiers didn't kill him. He gave up the ghost. And he gave it up by the Spirit of God. He went to hell and he paid for those sins. Jesus went to hell, the most wicked person ever. Why? He had all our sin on him. He died the world's worst sinner. And then he went to hell. And he paid for those sins in hell. I love Psalm 88. Why it says, Thy wrath lieth hard on me. That is Jesus talking about the Father. Thy wrath, Father, lieth hard on me in hell. Why? So his wrath wouldn't be on you and I. His wrath won't be on you and I. Because he took it out on Jesus. He took it out on Jesus. What was the judgment? What was the victory? Turn with me to Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Father to bruise him. That word Lord is Jehovah. He put him to grief, made him sick. Well, now shall make his soul. An offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, the Father, he, shall see the travail of Jesus' soul, and he shall be satisfied. He shall be satisfied. He was satisfied with the offering Jesus gave of himself. He was satisfied. He received that offering. Jesus made himself an offering and the Father received it. You know what's so wonderful about that? That offering was made on your behalf. That offering was made on your behalf. Like we said last week, did we ask for it? No. But God did it anyway. That offering that Jesus made for your sin, for your sickness, for your poverty, for your safety, for your security, for your welfare, was received, was accepted, was accepted 
judgment to victory. It was received. Judgment to victory. What was the victory? The moment, the moment that the Father received that sacrifice of Jesus, the moment that Jesus satisfied the Father, that moment you were forgiven. Why? All the sins were paid for. That moment that the Father received the sacrifice of Jesus, that he was satisfied, your sicknesses were healed. Every one of them was healed. Your prosperity was paid for, accepted, given to you. Given to you. Your security was paid for, accepted, and given to you. You don't have to be afraid to go to the marketplace. But somebody's going to start shooting at you. You don't have to be afraid. Why? It was paid for on the cross. Judgment to victory. Judgment to victory. That sacrifice was accepted. You can't pay any more for it. It's accepted. So what do we need to do? Let's go to 1 John 5. It's already been done. Like we said last week, the work's already finished. The work is already finished. It just needs one thing. Just one thing. 1 John 5, 4. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. That's the only thing that you need with this gospel. The only thing you need with this gospel. I want you to go to Romans 8, verse 35. These were some tough verses to believe. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Is that going to separate you from the love of Christ? No, we have Jesus in us. Is distress? No, it cannot separate you from the love of Christ. Can you believe these verses? The scripture cannot be broken. What about persecution? It cannot separate you from the love of Christ. Why? He's in you. He's in you. Or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. He's in you. Jesus is victor. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Ooh, fun. Sign up for that. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. Through Jesus. There's another verse. I can't remember where it is. It says victory through Jesus. Jesus is victor. Do you know that you have the victory every time available for you? Every time. In every situation. Every situation. But you know what? We won't believe that. Well, my kids aren't following God. Jesus is victor. Do you know that the Jesus in you is a lot stronger than the devil in your kids? Do you believe that? Jesus is victor. It may take you longer than three days. Jesus is victor. Any money problems you have, and I've had plenty, 
Jesus is victor. Every one of them got solved. Every one of them got solved. Jesus is victor. He is in us. Jesus is victor if you will believe. There is no sickness greater than Jesus. There is no problem greater than Jesus. There is no person greater than Jesus. There is no persecution. There is no famine. There is nothing greater than Jesus. That name is above all names. It comes to mind real quick. When I was teaching school, I didn't know this, but I came out and I was talking to the lady that was the computer tech person. She was right outside my door. And I remarked about our vice principal. And I said something she'd done. And our tech person looked at me, sweet old lady. She looked at me and she goes, Kathy, that woman is not your friend. She said, that woman's trying to get you fired. Wow. I did not know that. Jesus is victor. Well, that immediately started me praying. I didn't want fired. I realized I had an enemy. And I realized I was the only one in the whole building didn't know that that woman was my enemy. God will let you find out. I started to pray. I started to bless her. I started to pray for her. I started to bless her and pray for her because Jesus said, bless your enemies. Well, here's one. I started blessing that woman. This went on for about two weeks. It's amazing. I did not run down to the principal's office and say, hey, what's going on here? No, I didn't. I knew that wasn't going to help me one bit because I wasn't real sure the principal was behind it. But I started blessing her and praying for her. You know what? Jesus is victor. I told God, I don't know what to do except this. You're going to have to solve this situation. One day, I walked into the cafeteria and they said, hey, did you hear what happened to the vice principal? I said, no. They just came through. She got an immediate transfer. And she's going to the school she hates the worst. They said, we're all going to meet in so-and-so's room. We're, we're, we're so upset. We're going to have a, a meeting together with you. You want, you know, come on. I said, I got to go to my room. I went into my room and I started thanking God. Jesus is victor. Not only victor for me, but those who were in the concentration camp. Kept them alive. Jesus is victor. Is he your victor? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Is he your shepherd? Because he wins every time. He wins every time, if you will believe. Every time. I have been in situations that look like there was no hope. But there's hope. Jesus is victor. And I came out every time. I have a group of women here that have done the same thing. Jesus is victor in their lives too. Do you want that victor in you? Do you want Jesus as your Lord? Do you want him as your Savior? Savior means he saves you. He helps your situation. He fixes things. That's what I love about Jesus. And he did it out of love for us. Do you want him? It is not hard to bring him into your heart. All you have to do is open your mouth. Follow me in this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Lead me. Guide me. Fix me. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson 
and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.